0: The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bethanelli, and you're listening to the Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Pat Scott. Hi, Pat. Hi there. And Father Andrew Kinstener. Hi, Father Andrew. Hello, Dom. So uh, we are back from our last time where we had our epic iPhone versus Android, rock 'em, sock 'em, knock 'em down, uh, drag out fight. Uh, battle to, of supremacy actually it was it was it was actually pretty even-handed and i thought it was a good discussion and if you hadn't have a chance to listen to that folks uh go back to uh tech uh, 20 20 that was the, uh, the the show number show number 20 and uh, go to sqpn.com slash technology and check it out i think it was a pretty good balance back and forth about uh iphone and android and the strengths and weaknesses of both and i, I I like to pat myself on the back because I think I was pretty even-handed for being a Mac guy, a lifelong Mac guy. I thought <laughs> I I gave Android its props and noticed the iPhone's deficiencies. So uh,
1: I uh, will say that I learned a bit about Androids that I didn't know before after <laughs> listening to it. So I'm I'm with you, Dom, that I'm a iOS user. But
0: yes, it's yeah. That's you. I find it very useful. And I actually I I, I listen to or watch a couple of. Android uh, YouTube channels you know mo- mainly Android focused YouTube channels and uh, and uh, podcasts just to so I'm aware of what's going on and what's out there and and frankly where the other the other guys are doing a better job than Apple is and that sort of thing uh, one I recommend is uh, mr. mobile which is a YouTube channel uh, which is produced right here in the Boston area and one of the things that got me into it was he would often, he filmed in Charlestown where I used to work and would often film in my building. And I was always like, I want to like run into him and say hi to him, you know, like it be in his video or something, because uh, it was always a lot of fun to, to kind of see the places that i recognize. But he always talks about Android phones. So that was always good. So that was last time. Let's talk about what we've got coming up in this episode. Uh, in our first segment, I wanted to talk about uh, this story from uh, Boing Boing, the the blog uh, Corey Doctorow uh, was writing about this, that there was uh, this teenager from Florida had an app in the app store, the Apple app store for iPhones and iOS uh, called the Bad Ombre. And it, it's an anti-Trump game. I mean, it's pretty clearly an anti-Trump game. And it had uh, and and there was uh, I'm pretty sure that Apple you know, had no problem with that point of view in, in the game. That was they were okay with that, and there are anti—you know—there were anti-Clinton games and before and that sort of thing. So it's not a—it's not about Trump per se, but they removed the app because, well, as Cory Doctorow says, because they can't tell the difference between apps that criticize racism and racist apps. And I think that's a little bit of an oversimplification because what it boils down to is, is because the game included the swastika, the you know, obviously the Nazi symbol. Uh, the symbol adopted by the Nazis is actually much older than the Nazis historically, but the symbol adopted by the Nazis, and which has come to represent everything hateful about them and those who extol their point of view, including white supremacist racists in America today. So uh, it's, it's a loaded symbol. And so they removed it from the App Store and uh, t- two days after the app won a, a big award. And so it must have gotten noticed when that happened. And so it was removed from both Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store, although Google later reversed their decision. And they said it was because of the use of the swastika in the game. And this has become a bit of a, a, a point of contention where um, in the past, these tech companies in efforts to um, police offensive content have... Sometimes fail to distinguish the context in which things appear. So first, let's just kind of talk about this. Did you did you both get a chance to to check this story out? And I mean, do you have any any opinion about what we've talked about this so far? Uh, does Apple did Apple do the right thing? Did, did Google uh, do the right thing in restoring restoring it after they took it down? Um, what What do you think about about this idea of we shouldn't have this type of app in the store? What do you think?
2: Well. I guess to me, I would prefer to see a method where the app was still in the store, but labeled as possibly racist or possibly offensive or some type of a rating as opposed to censorship. Yeah. And, uh, you know, pornography. Yeah, that's that's something different. But I think the other things is it, it could say opinions only or Non-factual or something that would alert somebody who is on the lookout for that to say this isn't what I want.
1: Yeah, but you, I, I agree. I, you find you, you, you'll run into the same issue though. Is is what's deemed to be labeled like that? I, you see this on Facebook all the time where there's a a video that's blanked out with the, you know, this this content might be inappropriate or offensive, right? Um, and yet, uh, you know who's who's making that determination and and who's you know who's deciding that
2: right but i can still say well let me look at it anyway right the other way i can't yeah i have no choice so i would prefer to be uh a a rating system if you will or a comment or whatever and let me make decide whether i want to go ahead
0: let me make the decision and and to provide um a system by which a parent could make a blanket decision on behalf of right. a minor. Yeah, exactly. That's an interesting aspect. Oh, There are, there are other aspects to this, which is like in the specific case of the swastika, because Apple does business in Germany, that is the, the swastika is banned legally. They cannot, if they want to do business in Germany, uh-huh. they cannot sell anything with it in it. Amazon has the same issues and, and they have to get around it. Sometimes like there are, um, documentaries and, and movies that that sort of thing there are historical books and textbooks and stuff where they can with it it doesn't apply but i think i think what makes this case different is, is it's not being used in a historical context it's not being used uh as even as criticism particularly it's being used as part of a game even though the game is critical of a of that point of view it's be, i think part part of it is because it's part of a game uh now in a, a few years ago when the whole the, the when it, when we had this massive nationwide flap over the the Confederate flag uh we had this uh, a wave of of things being removed from app stores Apple uh, basically purged the Confederate flag from any of it, any app that had the Confederate flag including uh this this um Civil War game that was very popular among history buffs it was um what was the name of the game? I forget what the name of the game was. I have it here. Uh, but you know, this it is. It wasn't extolling the virt, you know the the viewpoint of the Confederacy or what it stood for. But it just said historically, this side was the Confederacy, and we ha- we have you know we role play battles in the game, and so this side has the American flag, and this side has the Confederate flag, and. That represents them, and and they said, "Nope, can't have it," and they kicked it out of the store. And it's like, part of it, I think, is the problem of there's context for things, and we don't, we're we're not being allowed to, to 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 say that the context matters. Correct. I mean, am I am I off base on that? No, I think you're correct that that's what's happening. It's kind of like the thing
2: where. On Facebook, somebody can't tell when something is satire. And so all of a sudden, people get all up in arms. It was satire, folks. It was not a factual story. And I think it's just part of the polarization of the country. And that that instant call to uh, objection that it, that we're seeing. Um, protest, so to speak.
0: Right. You know, one of the things that, that this raises for me, though, is is who determines... What's acceptable and what's unacceptable. And that goes part of what you said, Pat. Like if if you just say, look, some people think this is offensive and label it as such, then the individual determines whether it is or not. Uh,
2: And I would also like to say that when it's labeled as maybe offensive, I'd like to know what category it's offensive in.
0: Right. This may be you know, offensive if, to if people. Yeah, if,
2: if this is violence, I want to know that. If it's uh, homosexuality or uh, you know something that somebody is objecting to, that's our sexuality. It's a different thing than just saying, "Oh, this is offensive."
0: Right. Some people may find this offensive because it expresses a pro-life point of view, and that's right. You know, that yeah. sort of thing. Right. Now, I think the difficulty that we've encountered is. There's some, for many there are many people out there. It's not enough that something can be labeled and they can thus turn their eyes, their eyes, or. But the fact that it exists is is offensive. The fact that it's even there, that it shouldn't even be given a place, to that some people could choose it.
2: I guess I'm thinking of 1984, in which they rewrote history and purged stuff because it offended somebody or some political area decided it wasn't correct. And I think education is something that we need to aim for is to say, yes, there are differing viewpoints and yes, there are different uh, value systems that people have, but I don't think these should be used to eliminate things like from games or whatever. I think they just should be used to recommend
1: it's also taking away the the responsibility of the individual if someone else is deciding for me what's offensive and all of these things and then just filtering down what i'm able to see and do and and receive then i am not making any personal choice in that Correct. whatsoever and and i think that's one of the 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 dangers of of all of this sort of things is uh, of the of this whole technology, we we talked about this even with like the, the Netflix and the recommended videos, like, you know, where where's my choice in all of this? Or is this just being fed to me? And we have to to learn how to discern between what's what's good and bad. Um, now, you know, I th- there are certain ob- objective uh, wrongs that should never, you know, see the light of day you know Snuff pornography films. and those sorts right. of things yeah. but you know in terms of like a historical context yeah the, the you know you should be able to 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 see the 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 objective truth about what happened and not be restricted in that um and then the responsibility falls on parents and the individuals who are viewing this content to to research it and to to not have to abide by what someone else determines is morally correct or morally incorrect for me. That's
0: right. a that's a good point. Uh, one of the things that concerns me in all this is what happens when Christian point of view, our 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 beliefs that we share here, uh, become unacceptable, become something that sh- that people want banned, that uh, we can't have christian prayer apps or even a pro-life app in the in the app store you know and this is one of the 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 concerns with a walled garden like apple's app store versus the google way which is to you know with google you can use the google play store to load you know apps but you can also sideload them you know from third-party stores or you know direct download uh where you can't really do that on an iphone easily i mean of course there's ways to do it but but in general the general population can't and that's one of the things that concerns me was is when there is a gatekeeper i i recognize the value of apple's ability to keep bad stuff off my phone i like that viruses and malware and that sort of stuff but it may it worries me that it gives them maybe too much power over what i can put on my phone what do you th- i mean how, how should we approach this i mean obviously it's not happening yet uh and maybe we shouldn't uh Enough troubles for tomorrow, maybe not. You know, re- re- reap troubles from 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 tomorrow the today. But I mean, what do you think? What what should we our our approach to this sort of thing be? Uh, uh, should Should iPhone users be concerned? Per, uh,
1: perhaps. I think we should always be vigilant and and aware, um, concerned to a degree. Uh, we, we are paying into this ecosystem. So we should be aware of what we're paying into. And if those in charge of the the Apple store are obviously pursuing an agenda that doesn't that doesn't that's contrary to my beliefs, then I think we have a moral obligation to to counter that and to you know resist that, especially if they're going to promote, you know, particularly anti-Catholic things um so absolutely i think we have to be vigilant and and aware at all times and and pay attention to what's happening around us because they are the ones in charge and we're allowing them to be in charge
2: it also would be a good idea i think to look for ways that we can make our viewpoints and our preferences known in a acceptable fashion not word's not a irritant to the system mm-hmm. but a uh, a, make a, uh, I don't, don't know the word to use, but to make proactive suggestions to say, you have a large percentage of your population that ha- holds these things uh, to be, sh- that they should be available. And I don't know how, that, how we would go about doing that to provide a, a, a spokesperson or to provide some type of a, a way of, of letting our views be known. In a way that is not a, uh, just turned down.
0: That's a really good point. Uh, you know, I would love to see something like the like uh, the communications committee of the U.S. Bishops Conference, like where Bishop Christopher Coyne of uh, of Burlington, Vermont, is the chair. Of that, as far as I know, he still is. Uh, the, I would love to see them s- sit down with these big tech companies and, and have regular con- con- regular conversations with them about the concerns of uh, that. Catholics bring, but also uh, the ways we hope that we could use these things, these these tools, uh, in a in a good manner and that benefits everyone, the, the most people. Uh, <clears throat> I know that Pope Francis has met with uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg. He's met with uh, the guys from Twitter. I know he, I think he's met with Tim Cook. I'm not certain of that one, but I, I, I my my recollection is he might have. But but in any case. I would love to see them sit down, You have the representatives from the Catholic Church sit down on a regular basis with people from the tech industry and talk about these things. Like you said, in a not in an irritant way, but in a way that is productive and a give and take and a back and forth that helps everyone concerned. I would love to see that. Uh, and that might allay some, some concerns.
2: Well, for instance, Bishop Barron, I know, made a trip to Google's uh, complex and and talked with him and had a, a good dialogue, I think. And even the things that we were talking about on Facebook or on motion pictures, if you say we have a panel, somebody from the Jewish community, somebody from the Catholic community, somebody from the atheist community, if you want to go that far, or from the Muslim community. And this is a panel that when something like this comes up, it can be discussed in a panel situation and come up with a, with a uh, consensus rather than saying, Oh, there's this employee at Facebook. That's going to, to uh, use the guillotine on, on, on this particular topic.
0: Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I like the idea that where we need to, we need to have an open process of conversation and dialogue about these things and not just, you know, politicians on Capitol Hill saying to say Facebook or Apple you need to police offensive content or we're going to pass regulation on you. And leaving it up to them to figure out what what it is supposed to say. You know, I like to see this to be a community conversation about what what, what sorts of things are done. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get everything that we want, but I'd like to have that opportunity to have uh, open dialogue. I did, I did really enjoy when Bishop Barron went up to Google and you can actually uh, listen to that and watch that talk it on YouTube. Uh, it was yeah. really good where he talked about these sorts of things. He'd be an excellent uh, uh, ambassador uh, for us. Maybe
2: we should uh, put the bug in his ear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: or, and Bishop Coin. I mean, he's an right. excellent tech-savvy bishop. I'd love to see him uh, be, be involved in this as well. Uh, that would be really good. Excellent. And uh, S- the SQPN audience uh, might know him. He was uh, uh, present at our uh, some of our Catholic New Media conferences in the past, Bishop Coyne was. Um, so, uh, he, he's, uh, he's a, a friend of SQPN, so it's, it would be good. All right. So let's, uh, if we, if we, uh, well, um, as always, this is an open conversation. We'll probably be coming back to this topic in the future, but, uh, and if, if listeners have anything they want to share, or some feedback on this, we'd love to get it from them. And we'll, we'll give you the contact information at the end of the podcast, but, uh, let's talk about our second segment. Uh, one of the things that's come up, and I think it was actually a listener who asked about, VPNs. I keep hearing about VPNs, and security is a big thing we talk about. And VPN in the in the context of a, of security, and so they want to know like what's a VPN and why should I use one. And so I thought it would be good to have a conversation. Now. now, Pat, you you know about VPNs. You you've helped clients uh, with those and that sort of thing, right?
2: Yes, and in fact, that was one of my pick of the weeks when I'm on my first, I think, mm-hmm. first or second uh, time here. And, yes, I have uh, clients who come to me and say, I travel. I'm going to be going to hotels. How do I protect myself? I know I'm not supposed to be using open Wi-Fi. Right. So uh, a VPN is a a one-click, usually, option once it's installed to say, turn it on, and I'm encrypted. Turn it off, and I'm back to being open on my own home network. Mm Mm-hmm. And so yes, uh, I've helped several different brands of VPNs be installed. Uh, I have my own favorites, but uh, th- there's a, there's a lot of good ones out there, and some good reviews of them out there as well.
0: So let's let's define some terms for, for the folks then. So a VPN is an acronym for virtual private network, and what it means is when you turn this on, you are you are private between your device, computer, or phone or, or tablet, and the and some part of the internet, a server out there on the internet a server that you presumably trust. Uh, we'll get into that exact what that exactly means in a second. But if there's a secure connection, every th- all the traffic uh, between you and that server is encrypted, uh, which means that no one in between can just you know pull a, a packet out of the stream with a packet sniffer and look at it. That's an important thing I think people don't necessarily understand is unless you are specifically on an encrypted connection, your data is viewable by everyone on the internet in between you and the server you're communicating with, including your email. Don't ever send social security numbers or other important data in an email. It's like writing it on a postcard and throwing it in a mailbox uh, or putting it on a, on a billboard downtown. I mean, it's not secure. Uh, so what what happens is, is you, you create the secure connection between you and, and the VPN server, and then that server, which can be located anywhere in the world, then sends your data out anonymized out from there. So uh this anonymous connection to a to another website or something like that, or a message server or something, and then you have this connection there. Now, obviously you in that data stream you could you put passwords and usernames and you can sign into websites and that sort of thing. But what it does is it protects you you on that. That, that first part of the journey of the internet from your device out to a server. Um, now, um, one of the key things is you got to trust the VPN. It's important to only use a VPN that has a good reputation. Uh, don't just pick one from the app store, especially the ones that are marked free. Because in fact, they may not actually be secure. They may they may be they may be stealing your data and your information so always be sure that you're using a, a, a VPN with a good reputation um, so Pat why would why would someone want to very specifically in what situations would someone use a VPN
2: okay so I go to a coffee shop or I go to my car dealer and I'm sitting there and I want to check my email or I want to check my financial institution to see whether a check is cleared yet or not, or I want to do some searching on the internet to look for some information. If I don't have a VPN, then as you say, anybody in that same network, in that same coffee shop, that same car dealer could be malicious and be gathering it all and see everything I've done.
0: Um and this really applies some to this really applies to Wi-Fi more so than the 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 mobile cell connection, the mobile towers. That's,
2: that's right? true, because it's not impossible to eavesdrop on a cellular connection. It is very difficult and is more expensive for somebody to do so. It could be done. Yeah. But and the same thing, your home network, you've got a router, you've got a password on that router. By its very nature, it's already encrypted going from you to the rest of the Internet. I mean, it's not encrypted as such, but I mean, nobody could get into your Wi-Fi because it's got a password. Uh, but once it gets out on the Internet, that piece of mail gets out, it's still visible to anybody in the middle, yeah. whereas a VPN, it's, it's tunneling it like you've got a, a big lake and everybody can see everything in the lake, but you've got this tunnel in the middle that nobody can see into, right? So, so that's the biggest thing is is keeping your connection safe when you're at a hotspot or a hotel, or any place like that that you don't know who else is on that network.
0: Yeah. Um, if you if you're at an airport terminal and you see on your Wi-Fi list of available Wi-Fi hotspots an open Wi-Fi network that says "Free Wi-Fi" in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't. That is that is probably a trick, uh, designed yes. to get let someone get into your your data, and sometimes even get back into your computer. Uh, right. so, I mean, if you're going to use any Wi-Fi outside the home, you 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 know whether it's your laptop or your phone or your tablet, use a VPN. Yeah, uh, that's now just- some
2: people. Yeah, some people think, well, I'm just going to go look at Amazon and do some searching, so I don't need to have a VPN connected. But what they don't realize is in the background, their phone or their tablet is going and getting mail for them or it's going and uh, getting different types of information. They don't even they're not even aware that all of that is going across that same signal. They just think they're looking at Amazon and they don't care who sees. Right. So that's that's a, a big point that a lot of my clients don't understand. Um, there's another reason, uh, most of the time people really don't need it on their own home network, but there are a couple of exceptions, like if you have some things that are location based, that you want to be able to do something, but you are in a location that doesn't allow for that, a VPN can let you, uh, in a sense, pretend to be someplace else. And so uh, I have had people that wanted to be able to access something while they were traveling, but they're not in their own country of origin. So they can't get to it. Like Netflix,
0: for example, you you can't get into a Netflix subscription from Europe that says, well, you're not in the U.S. You can't use U.S. Netflix.
2: Well, the example was that we were in Canada and I said, I want to use my Netflix. It says, oh, you can't do that. You're in Canada. (laughs) So I pulled up my VPN and said, I'm in Detroit. And so I was able to watch my movies. And that was a legal use for me. Yes. Now, there are some people that may want to use it for other things uh, to get around limitations. That's that's something between them and their conscience. BBC iPlayer. (laughs) um, Yeah. (laughs) But at any rate, that's that's one use. Now, uh, several months ago, there was a real uproar about. The fact that cable companies used to say, we're not going to sell any bit of your data. Yep. And then they came along and the law was somehow changed to say they could sell it. And most of them came back and said, we won't. But during that time, VPNs became all of a sudden very popular.
0: Especially, because I- including on your you home network.
2: Pro- right. Yeah. And because if you feel like your provider is going to be selling your information, you might want to be a tunnel through them. So they, all they know is that you've just got a connection somewhere out there Mm that they they can't see what you're doing and can't sell, you know, Hey, this person in Texas is going to look for snowmobiles or whatever it is. Yeah. So that's, that's another reason why you might want to use it in your own
1: home. Sounds to me like, so I'm, I'm coming from a perspective. I haven't ever really looked into VPN. So, um, so what, I guess I have a couple questions. That location-based uh, idea, um, I imagine, would also play a role in potentially, like, if you're booking airline tickets or if you're, you know, doing something like that, that often, you know, the cookies on your computer and location-based, they might change the price of, a, of an airline ticket that's showing up on your web page.
0: Well, I had, it, hadn't heard of that. Yeah, but, it
1: wouldn't affect the cookies. Yeah. Yeah, the cookies themselves
0: would still transmit back and forth, but okay. the but the location information wouldn't necessarily. Now, if you were in private browser mode on your on your browser and using a VPN to connect to uh, an airline or any e-commerce site that that does this, so w- what father's referring to is sometimes various e-commerce uh, sites like airlines and even Amazon. They show different prices to different people depending on what they know about you. I I think it's kind of shady too, but you know, it's yeah, it's, right. it's it's apparently legal. And so if you want to say, okay, I want I I want you to just cut, think I'm some vanilla person that you don't know anything about, what do you say the price is at this point, then a VPN and private browsing mode would probably be the thing to do in that case. That would probably get you a good uh, a good idea of what what it would be like for just a plain vanilla uh, Joe on that. So yeah, and you know, for a priest, because priests live in rectories that they're they're moving into. It's not their own home. It's you know, the it's oftentimes the the Wi-Fi infrastructure is under someone else's authority. I'm not saying that that you, that you you need to be suspicious of the other people, but it's just even for your own peace of mind that. You know, you don't know, is there an IT company that's maintaining the, the the Wi-Fi at this place? Is there? I think, you know, because priests are somewhat transient, somewhat, uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, and it's not your own place, necessarily. It could be a useful thing for your peace of mind.
1: Well, and and there, to be completely honest with you, I do not know how many people have the Wi-Fi password for here at the cathedral. Oh, yes. That's um, a big because one. Because there, yes. are, there are multiple, of course, people who come in. Um, they do a presentation in our parish hall. They need to get on onto YouTube, you know. So we give them the the, the Wi Fi password, and we do change it every every now and again, and try to you know keep that limited. But but still, I couldn't give you a list of who all has access to it. It's essentially Granted, public Wi Fi. R- yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, more or less. We do have a, a separate Wi Fi that that is like just for the the, the rectory. And yeah, so like, yeah. I know that password and, and only a, a handful of us know that, but, but still I could, you know, inadvertently give that out or, or think that's the, the, the strongest connection. And, you know, yeah, I don't know who all is, is on this, on this network. Yeah. Um. So the, so the, the, how do you, so how would you
0: go about picking one, uh, you know, a Wi-Fi, I mean, a VPN provider? Uh, there's, there's some some things to keep in mind. When you use a, a VPN, you are sacrificing a tiny bit of speed. Not a lot necessarily, but there it is... Depends upon the VPN. Yeah, some of them are better than others. Uh, 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 the, and one of the things I've encountered with the the one I'm using, and I'm, that's why I'm kind of thinking of switching, uh, is I, my iOS devices sometimes have trouble connecting. Even when... So the, the one I use, and I'll tell you about it in a second, they have an automatic on uh, VPN. Like when they detect that I'm on a untrusted network, it turns on automatically, uh, which is actually a nice feature. It's a a really nice idea. I don't have to remember to do it. It just does it. But I find that sometimes I have trouble connecting, even when I'm not using the VPN, and I have this sneaking suspicion that it's related to it. And uh, part of that, it's kind of complicated, but do you ever see when you log on to a a Wi-Fi, like at a hotel, it pops up a page and asks you to either sign in or agree to their terms of service? The thing is, is when you have a VPN, sometimes the connection happens, and then the server wants to send you that page, but then the VPN goes up, and now you're now a, a, another connection, and that that page doesn't come through, and now you're in this limbo without without being connected. You've not agreed to the terms of service or entered your username or password, but you can't see it because you're a different you know a, a, a different IP address basically. Um, That's why I I
2: prefer on the VPN I'm using, I don't do it automatic. I just say, I turn it on after I've made my connection. Right. Because I used to have a lot of trouble with going into Starbucks, for instance, because it would want to bring up the page. And even without the VPN, I had a trouble because it was thinking I needed to be a secure site. And so I had to go through some rigmarole of saying, no, let me go to a site that's not secure. And then their launch page, page would come up. Yep. So yeah, I just say I connect when I'm ready.
0: You know, one of the things, I've, a piece of advice I've heard uh, from the, a, a Mac podcast called Mac Geek Gab, they mentioned that sometimes it's related to SSL encryption, which is different from VPN encryption. Uh, most sites right. use it's called Secure Socket Layer. Uh, most sites are using SSL nowadays, uh, and there is a there's a pro, there's this a similar issue that happens with connecting to. Oh, you know public Wi-Fi. so they recommend that there's this website called neverssl.com which and as the name says it will it's just a page on a server that will never have secure socket layer installed and it's just designed to get you online just to connect exactly to a server that's exactly what was happening at Starbucks
2: yeah. and so I would use neverssl make my connection then turn
0: on my VPN no oh, yes so that's that's what so if you ever encounter that that's one way to fix it Another thing to keep in mind is uh, we talked about sketchy VPNs. Uh, one of the things to do is, is to check the policies. Uh, you want to make sure that they're a VPN provider that doesn't keep logs. You know, it does no good if they're if you know they're you, you no one can see your data except they're keeping a copy of it. <laughs> you know, like the I mean you, you're not you're not you're not James Bond. I know you. Nobody listening to this is James <laughs> Bond. You're not worrying about the you know the the Russians let's take us back 30 years, the Russians, you know, paying attention to your web traffic. But the fact is, is the more data that's out there being recorded, the, the less secure you are in, in for this type of thing. And so you want to check their policies. What are their policies? What kind of data do they keep? How do they track you? Do they track you at all? Uh, frankly, if you're a journalist in a in a country that oppresses its people and there's there's not freedom, it's much more important for them. And they, VPNs are a lifeline for them. It's It's literally life or death. And this sort of you know, getting rid of data and not keeping logs is even more important for them. But I think it's useful for us. So go ahead. Well, I was going to say one
2: of the things that I usually tell my folks is that go to a website that does really good reviews like Tom's Hardware or uh, there's several others that I trust, too. But go to there, look at the the list of VPNs, read about them and decide how much you want to pay versus how much slowdown you get or that type of thing. And Tom's hardware always does really good objective reviews.
0: Yeah. We'll put a link to their latest VPN review in the show notes at uh, sqpn.com slash technology. So let's talk about a couple of different ones that we know of. Uh, the one I've been using for several years is uh, encrypt.me. Uh, they used to be called getcloak.com, but now it's they changed to encrypt.me. And they, they, they've they been okay. They're relatively low cost that's like uh ten dollars a month for unlimited amount of data they have a lower they have a, a lower cost one for uh, a, a limited amount of, like I think five gigs and that's if you if you think you're only going to use it occasionally uh going out to a coffee shop once in a while or that sort of thing i i'm out and about enough that i felt like the unlimited was a, a better deal for me and uh and plus i use it i use it a lot more than like even when i'm in places where I think it's secure, but I'm not sure, I still use it. And so, uh, I I have the the ten dollar month. I've been not as happy with it. I've had some of these issues that I've mentioned, where it just it seems it it gets this cycling connection where it's connected, not connected, not connected, not connected. And then my i my iPad has been really weird about getting online, and I I can't say for sure that it's the VPN. But it might be the VPN, so I'm I'm thinking of trying some uh, a different one. Uh, but Pat, you you had one that you recommended as a pick of the week a while ago. Uh,
2: yes, um, Express VPN. Yeah. I have uh, used it for oh a year or so now. Uh, it's 99 a year, three devices. I don't remember there being a cap on the amount of data. And the way I chose it was I went out and looked at about six or seven VPNs and tried them serially or on different machines. And Express VPN gets a connection initially more often than it than the others did. I tried Nord and several other ones and they would they they just were not as many servers that I could connect with immediately. It was like uh, I had to go down a list and manually try ones until I got a good connection. Whereas ExpressVPN, it's very seldom I don't get a good connection. The other thing was is that some of the other VPNs, it was a drop of 50% speed. Mm. Wow. And uh, that was typical of what I was seeing t- you know, a year and a half ago. Whereas ExpressVPN, it's it's not 100%, but it's like 80% or something like that. It's, it's pretty fast. Um, The other thing is they have servers in a lot of countries and a lot more servers than some of the other ones I was looking at. Now, I know there's more that have come up and Tom's Hardware was mentioning, besides Nord, they were also mentioning uh, several others that they liked. And I would say go through them and take a look, but I've, I've really liked ExpressVPN, as I say. It's a hundred dollars a year, but sometimes when you're signing up, you might be getting a special that might make it less than that.
0: What, what impresses me is how many devices it works on, like everything you can think of, including smart TVs, gaming consoles, they have apps for, and and even like right at the router, at the, you know, at the, where it comes into your home. I mean, I think that's a really interesting, are you're going to say something.
1: Um, I was actually just looking at the prices, too, because this is uh, quite a appropriate conversation that I'm hearing from you guys because I'm going to Italy in June. Ooh, so, yes. so nice. So this is this is very uh, informative for me. But I was just looking up Express uh, VPN and the introductory rate is ninety ninety nine dollars for 15 months. Right. So, uh, so that's so, three months. Free, right. Yeah. Yeah. You yep, can also yep.
2: do monthly. Now it's quite a bit more, but if you were yep. just wanting to getting it just for a trip, you could do
0: something like that
1: yep and, and it's try it out. thirteen thirteen dollars for a single month right interesting
0: now another one that i've uh heard a lot about is tunnel bear uh they're less expensive they're sixty bucks a year um but uh you know i i they're they're listed a little low they they don't work on as many different devices. Um, and I was looking at with Tom's Hardware, how they list them. They give them a four out of five, which is a pretty good rating. Uh, by By comparison, ExpressVPN is four and a half. NordVPN is four to five. So that's a pretty good rating. Uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about it. And they have some, some ancillary services that, that kind of that go along with it, which which seems interesting. Um, so that's another one that, that uh, I, I'm not necessarily recommending, but just I'm saying check it out. That's but I think that Tom's Hardware link is probably uh, the place to go where you can get a look at all of the pros and cons of each one. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good link that w- that's there. Um, I, w- I also wanted out.
2: to mention that they this particular review did rate Windscribe, which is a free one. And they gave it a pretty high rating, even if it was free. They said, you know, they had checked out the security and it seemed to be on the up and up more than some of the others did. Hmm. So that would be something if you were, if you just couldn't afford a VPN, that's the one I would look at to try. Uh, but if you can afford one, I would say get one of the ones that's a paid one because you're not, the, you're not the product.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. With the, with free, it always worries me that. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. But that
2: I did notice that they rated yeah. that one right along with the other ones, you yeah. know, as far as it, it got a four, just like tunnel bear did.
0: And even if you go with Windscribe's paid plan it's 50 bucks a year which is still, uh, still less, pretty sure. pretty cheap uh for for that. So that's pretty interesting. So, I mean, you get a VPN, you know, even if you've got one sort of in your back pocket for when you think you might travel or when you might need it. I mean, it's a these days it's it's probably you know, one of those things that you could you think of as a as a necessary expense for being secure, you know, just when you, when you're out there and and if you if you get one that lets you have multiple devices then you can spread the cost out, you know, among your family and, you know or all your devices and that would make makes a lot of sense. And uh, now
2: with with the Express VPN, it's three devices of concurrent use. So you could have it installed on four or five devices, just
0: only three of them could be active at one time. That's a good point. That's a good point. Excellent. Cuz yeah, I've got I've got my laptop, yeah, my phone, my <laughs> iPad, my iMac. Uh, you know, and then the rest of my family. But uh, but th- yeah, that's that makes that makes sense. Excellent. anything else to say about VPNs? No, but you
2: mentioned something just a minute ago about uh, being incognito and protecting yourself that way. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I've I have some quibble on is that incognito doesn't mean you're secure. Right. It just means that it's hiding you from people that would come on your computer later and look to see where you've been. It doesn't hide you from the websites that you're going to. Right. They still know who you are. Yes. But I just, just kind of wanted to bring that up.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. It's sort of, it. it's more of a, yeah, it's a, well, it, it does it still take cookies? Did I get that I, wrong? Like, well, I think that it, it,
2: uh, it disables like third party cookies and stuff. But I think mainly it's so that your computer doesn't know you've been to that website before. Okay. So in some ways, as I say, if somebody's coming along and looking, they won't see that you've been to a site, but it doesn't keep that the sites out there from saying, oh, well, here's the computer that came there on Windows
0: or they're on a Mac
2: and they they're from Austin. Right. They can still see that. Right. And your provider can still see that.
0: Right. They they. Yes. I was Yeah. That's it's a good point that we should we should uh, be clear on that, that uh... They still see. They still get lots of data about your computer, but they don't necessarily get. They don't necessarily know who you are per se. That's a good point. Okay. Uh, excellent. So uh, let's move on to our picks of the week. The the now uh, one of my favorite parts of of our show because it's always fun to to find about new things. Uh, Father Andrew, I think you have something that you mentioned before. Uh-huh. Uh, and so what's your pick of the week?
1: yeah so my pick of the week is the is the new oculus quest um so I did pre-order one they're not oh. cheap oh, <laughs> yeah they're not cheap um I think it's it's four hundred dollars for the for the cheaper version and five hundred dollars for the uh more internal memory version um and and I was kind of kind of nervous but but the the lure of the new star wars Vader immortal game just had me hooked so I had to try it out. And I have to say that I was completely blown away by how impressive the technology is. Oh, wow. I, I still, I still think AR is, is kind of the future because of the social aspect of it. But, uh, the, the, the VR of the Oculus quest was, was fantastic. It's, it's, it's completely self contained. There's no, um, external wires and I found it incredibly easy to use. And I mean, really it, 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 puts you in a in a in a virtual it, I felt like a holodeck from from Star Trek like wow. I, I literally felt in this in this space you can see virtual hands in front of you and they respond to the controls so you can pick up things you can throw things you can point you can uh, you know use your hands as if you were physically doing something and the just even the immersiveness of of the game Vader Immortal which is pretty much the only thing that I've been able to do has been has been just what more do you phenomenal. want to do <laughs> I
0: mean,
1: what was that what that's more va- do you
0: want to do it's worth every right. penny just to play Vader Immortal <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, that's your vacation I, for the exactly. year <laughs> it was i i just i found it crazy because even within the game the the characters track where you are Mm -hmm. so as like vader is coming at me with this device that he wants me to unlock his face will track where i physically am located at and so with the with the oculus quest you 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 map out a space a physical space and the oculus quest knows exactly what that space is and we'll put up warnings when you walk too far towards one of the barriers. Oh, okay. So you know not to run into the wall or or whatever. <laughs> That's good. And yeah. <laughs> and so it was kind of funny. I actually went down to the basement of our parish hall and, and mapped out about a twenty foot by fifteen foot area <laughs> and just kind of just kinda of had fun with it. Uh, so just yeah, it was I was, like I said, blown away by how immersive the v r technology was. I was not expecting it to be that uh immersive. I kind of expected just the the only experience that I had before was uh at a at a museum where i was i had to sit in a chair and I had this v r contraption on, and so I was literally just moving my chair back and forth and looking around. And there was no physical movement. It was all you look at this particular area of the screen for or the this particular area for about five seconds and then you'll walk that way. OK, but with with the Oculus Quest, you can walk around and it it moves your your person. OK, Um. so, yeah, I, I found it incredibly immersive and uh, a heck of a lot of fun for sure.
0: <laughs> wow. Can't, that's cool. Can't wait to see how that works in real life. That's that's pretty amazing.
2: We'll be up to your place to try it out. That's right. <laughs> Come on
0: over.
1: I'll uh, I'll let you try it for
0: sure. Definitely. I'll take you up on that. Uh, Pat, what do you have for us this week?
2: Oh, mine is much cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went on a plane trip last week or two weeks ago and wanted to get something to help drown out the, the sound of the plane so that I could watch a movie or listen to an audio book while I was on the trip. And I didn't want a big pair of headphones and I didn't want Bluetooth because often they don't want you using any Bluetooth devices while you're taking off and landing. So I got some noise cancellation type earbuds that are wired. And basically that you charge them up just like you would Bluetooth or whatever. And you can turn on and off the noise cancellation. And I, was, I had tried something like this, oh, three or four years ago, and it was like, it was pretty bad i had a vibration coming from the noise cancellation thing Uh, that was really irritating this was smooth i mean basically i could flip it on and off and you could you could hear a huge difference in the background noise and cutting out the the people's conversations around me and the noise of the airplane i could very well listen to a movie and hear the dialogue perfectly with this. And I was really pleased. Now, these are fairly cheap. They were only 39 to 49 depending upon, you know, uh, what specials you were finding. And they are not Bluetooth, although they have Bluetooth variety. I wanted something that was wired. Mm. And so this, this really worked. And I was able to wear them for a couple of hours on the plane, and I didn't find them irritating. And so, it
0: looks like it even includes an airplane adapter for the special Yes, yes it did. I,
2: my airplane didn't have one, but uh yes, you could use it to charge it with. Mm, interesting. But it's something like you plug it in for an hour and it's good for 20 hours. Oh wow. So, and then it still functions even if if you run out of battery, it still functions as a head head earbuds. Okay. You know, just the noise cancellation isn't there.
0: Excellent. Wow, cool. I mean, that's I've always looked at those the Bose Quiet Comforts and those, but those are like three hundred and fifty bucks. Those are really yeah, expensive. Yeah, I know.
2: I, that's why I didn't go that route. Yeah. I wanted something that, and they're small. They're very. They fit in a little tiny pouch. Nice. You know. So anyway, they're. That's just my my pick of the week. All
0: right. Uh, so my pick is a browser extension uh, called the FB Purity Browser Extension. FB stands for. Well, they 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 sell, call it Fluffbuster but it also stands for Facebook. And <laughs> of course. it's a it's a, a browser extension for pretty much most browsers, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, Edge, uh, maybe even more than that. I use it in, in the Brave uh, browser that we've talked about before. And what it does is it lets you uh, clean up Facebook. And And what I mean by that is, okay, yeah, sure. It turns off the ads. That's fine. And you may or may not want ads on your Facebook. But it does other things like it lets you turn off the stories feature, turn off sponsored posts, turns off, um, gosh, like every single kind of post you can imagine, game and app posts. Uh, it, it lets you, uh, it gives you notifications when particular friends, when, you, when people unfriend you uh, or when they're deleted, uh, you know, when they delete their account. Uh, it lets you filter posts based on certain words. So, you know, like during the 2016 election, there were certain names I put in there or last year when we had some Supreme Court uh, uh, nastiness, I put a few names in there and I didn't have to look at any of that. Um, things like um, you, Facebook tells you every time someone joins a group or every time someone is tagged in a note and, you know, people get tagged in notes all the time it can be cluttering. Uh, other things it does is it lets you um, disable autoplay on video. Which is nice. very nice. Uh it lets you, you know, turn off any kind of video. You could you could hide all videos if you wanted, if you know videos uh bothered you. Uh you know, it's so it's it's there's like something like a hundred and fifty different options in this that you can uh play with and really customize your Facebook experience and remove a lot of the stuff that makes it a pain in the neck. And frankly, I wish there was a, a way they could do it on uh ios or android if that's your flavor, your uh because every time i use facebook on my phone or on my ipad i'm reminded of oh <laughs> <laughs> this is what it's like with you know it, in in the bad times so uh so it's a it's a really nice thing so it's, it's I'll i'll put the link in the show notes but it's uh it's a nice it, it's up they keep it updated and you can all, also once you've got all your settings set the way you want You can export them. So just in case you ever move browsers or something happens to your browser, gets reset or anything like that, you can have those settings. You don't have to have to go through the rigmarole of setting them all up again. So uh, it's FB Purity for Fluff Busting Purity uh, Browser Extension. So that's my pick of the week. Cool. So uh, before we sign off, I do have a, a bit of feedback, an email from a listener, John Scrivo, Said uh, I'm really enjoying the Secrets of Technology show and how you and the panelists can relate it to people who aren't as tech savvy. Uh, he says I use LastPass with Google Authenticator. I can use it with the Chrome plugin on my school computer, which is really helpful. Uh, for the pick of the week, you should mention mechanical keyboards. I've talked about keyboards. He says I saw it on your blog and I had no idea that these existed. I'm not a gamer and really just went with whatever keyboard I had. I bought one as a birthday gift to myself to use at work, where I do quite a bit of typing. And it's amazing how much better I can type. I went with Cherry Blue Switches since I was using it for typing only and the noise wasn't an issue. Thanks again for all your hard work on the podcast. Fun and informative and really makes the start and end of my workday so much better. Thank you, John. So mechanical keyboards. This is uh, the old, if, you, if you're of any age, you know of the old keyboards that computers used to have, the clackety clackety keyboards. They make all that noise, when they, that wonderful noise when you type. And I've got, oh, I've got a couple of them on my desk. But here's one that's not connected to anything, so I can <laughs> clackety-clack it. But it's like, you know, like, I don't know if you can hear that. But that's uh, yep. it's pretty clackety. Uh, now, obviously, I have to be careful because with podcasting, that would get annoying if I'm clackety-clackety <laughs> during shows. Uh, so I've tried several of them. I've used several. Um, a reason I haven't picked one yet is because I haven't found one that I really feel solidly I can recommend. I mean, I like them, but the first one I had failed... Uh, the one I've got now, uh, I've got, these have been ones I've gotten for review. The one I'm using now is pretty good, except, um, it has this weird double typing issue where it double types letters. Um, and I've been trying to, uh, there's, I've got a piece of Mac software that I've downloaded off of GitHub that tried, tries to fix that. It's actually intended for the, um, Mac, MacBook butterfly keyboard problems, but it's, it's a similar problem. So it's kind of helping me a little bit, um, the other keyboard is that I was just held held up next to the microphone that's not connected is not a full-size keyboard. I love having my numeric keypad, uh, and I really like having a full-size keyboard. So I'm still looking. If you have one, you can recommend. Uh, I, I haven't tried the DOS keyboard yet, which is a, apparently a wonderful keyboard, but very expensive, uh, but still a very nice keyboard. So uh, that's the reason I haven't recommended one yet. But I like that feel. It's a solid mechanical feel of uh, when you're typing. Mm-hmm. I type a lot. I do a lot of typing. Um, and as you get into this, uh, John mentioned the he uses cherry blue switches. When you get into mechanical keyboards, you find out that there is a, a myriad of choices that the uh, switches, cherry and a color switch, and they have different feel, different sound. Uh, you can dampen them using o-rings oh it it's a it's a rat hole it, i mean it's a down down the rabbit hole uh, into another world of, of mechanical a keyboards. whole different career yeah, exactly <laughs> so i will eventually uh, perhaps have a pick of the week which is a the keyboard that i, I say this is the one but uh, i'm not quite you there yet but uh, so thank you john for your email uh so uh, that's it from us. Uh, before we go, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including this week, Teresa N., Samuel C., Ian S., Nick W., and Jimmy C. Uh, not Jimmy Carter, uh, although it would be nice to have him as a patron. I'd welcome the president uh, in, help, in supporting us. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the Secrets of Technology, and all the shows at StarQuest, you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And so what do you think of our discussion of both the, how stores police offensive content the, the, uh, the tech companies do, uh, and our discussion of VPNs? Let us know by visiting sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media and leave us some feedback there or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And you'll find the relevant links from our discussion on our show notes at sqpn.com. If you could, folks, please, please, write a review in iTunes or the Apple Podcast app or one of the podcast directories uh, and share the podcast with your friends to help us grow our audience and grow this community of listeners. Uh, when you write a review, it, it kind of gooses the algorithm and says, oh, people are interested in this. Maybe we should show this to more people. You know, hey, this is what's hot. This is what's new. And so it really is really helpful. It's not just it's, you stroke my ego and make me feel good because you say nice things, although that is a benefit. Uh, but it also helps with the growing the show and making sure that we're reaching lots of folks. And we really do appreciate uh, all your all your efforts and all the, the the ways that you help support what we do here. Uh, Until next time, Father Andrew Kinstetter, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Technology.
1: Absolutely.
0: It's been fun. Pat Scott, thank you as well. Glad to be here. Thank you. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest.